The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Strengthen Your Roots. I'm Kaylee Stender, a financial officer in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And today I have the privilege of kicking off 2024 with a very special guest, John Regenton. So who is John? Why is he here? It's not a familiar name. You've probably heard at Farm Credit before. So to answer that question, I want to take you all back about 12 months when Roots started brainstorming development opportunities for 2023. We had this goal of specifically creating unique content for young professionals that would make a massive impact for a smaller group of teammates. We landed on this one-of-a-kind experience called Building Roots, where we traveled out to the Black Hills in South Dakota to participate in an experiential workshop facilitated by John and his counterpart, Emily, at FCCS. And FCCS stands for Farm Credit Counseling Services. So Scott Binder, he was gracious enough to introduce us to John. Scott, of course, has this natural spirit for adventure, so we knew it was a connection we didn't want to pass up. I couldn't agree more with what Scott had to say. So often we get caught up in our daily routine and become limited in our thinking. Stepping away into an unfamiliar environment can free our thinking and allow us to see new possibilities. Fast forward to today, We successfully hosted our first event in September, and now we get to reflect on building roots before we start planning the same event in 2024. So today for the podcast, I have two goals. One, I want to introduce you to John. He is a respected guest. We're going to hear more about his personal philosophy, and I know you'll love his story. And then two, I want to share more about building roots with the hopes that each and every person listening today is inspired to use what we learned on that trip and apply it to our own lives. So, John, thank you so much for joining us today. I know our listeners are excited to hear from you, so I will give you the mic for an introduction. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity and to certainly connect and also want to say thanks to Scott, you know, for hiring me into the uh, farm credit system seven and a half years ago. So originally worked for Gettysburg College for 20 years, and that's where I got to know and be introduced to FCCS because they were using the Gettysburg Leadership Experience. And which is now well known, you know, throughout the, the farm credit system. And after a couple of years, after FCCS had purchased the uh, the program, Scott had approached me to uh, leave the college and and join the ranks to facilitate that experience. So it's wonderful connection there. And uh, but yeah, just a little bit about myself. I live in in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I got my family, my wife Kathleen, my son who's nineteen. His name is Jack. And my daughter, who is 14, she's a freshman, and uh, her name is Audrey. So, Gettysburg Leadership Experience. I know our Roots leader, Andy, got to go and meet you there um, this past June, I believe. Sure. And so, is that open to any employee at Farm Credit? Talk to us a little bit about, like, just what the criteria is and maybe put a plug in for that experience. Certainly. It is open to any any participant or attendee from the system and actually outside the system. I mean, we're, I'm the one of the few entities within uh, FCCS that contracts both within the system and outside. So when I say outside, we're talking about government, DOD, uh, corporate education, so and other cooperatives. But within inside the system, certainly any employee can attend. It just depends on where they are in their sort of professional trajectory. 
And when I say that we have a young professionals uh, program, we also have sort of the executive leadership and then we get into the governance space as well. And so we have a couple of different tenets in which people can come two or three times and still learn not just about Gettysburg, but most importantly, learn about themselves using the medium of the, of the story and the Battle of Gettysburg. Very nice. Thanks for sharing more about that. Sure. So I was not familiar with the FCCS before we started building Roots. So could you just give us an overview of what the company does and then how that partnership works within the farm credit system? Certainly. Yeah, many years ago, uh, the Farm Credit Council had created a consulting firm. And that consulting firm was originally called you know, Farm Credit Council Services. And now we've just narrowed that down to FCCS. And we really offer three particular services to uh, the farm credit system. First is developing the teams. Okay, so we look at our conferences, leadership development, our experientials, or what you all participated in with me. Uh, we have looking at the operation, which is our consulting network, our past key affinity programs, our risk management, the captive. So really looking at the entire operation and how they evolve. And then the third tenant is looking at our governance practices, okay, executive selection, succession planning, board peer evaluation. So we have our hands on a lot of different locations within an entire association. Interesting. And so correct me if I'm wrong here. I've also heard that FCCS really serves as or can serve as an ODL team for farm credit systems who do not have an internal program like Farm Credit Services of America does. That is correct. That is correct. And so and so those who don't, certainly they can reach out to us. Those who do, then we find ways. How do we complement the offerings that they can't achieve because of sort of their area of focus or expertise that we're able then to come in and, and showcase and help out sometimes, you know, certainly from an objective viewpoint. So I know you have, I don't know if you call it a side hustle or just a work on the side, but in addition to working for FCCS, you guide trips. So can you talk to us more about that experience outside of your normal day job? That compliments my day job? Yes. <laughs> the word compliments. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we think about purpose, when we think about our work, I mean, this purpose originated uh 20 something years ago, you know, in, in undergrad. And I'll, and I'll come back, I'll loop back around into this. But creating and developing, designing learning experiences through wilderness context. And, and part of that purpose uh, was really looking at change of behavior and emotion and, and sort of people's mental space, but leveraging it through sort of the opportunities that are presented and environments that you can't necessarily calculate right? Just like in, like in your world, right? There's risk out there. And it's like, how do we navigate that? We can only prepare ourselves for so much and kind of actually deal with the consequences, both good and bad as they, as they approach. So that has always been the essence of, of sort of my work. And for, again, for a certain purpose that we'll address in, in a little bit here. But that is that, you know, as when I was hired on to FCCS, part of the conversation then was still like, well, I guide international treks. I have this, this small LLC and a couple times a year, whether it's myself or others uh, who do this for me, uh, will guide uh, hiking programs, uh, you know, internationally. But prior to working with FCCS, that was the essence of my work: developing and designing mountaineering, sea kayaking, and climbing expeditions, both domestically and internationally. That's fantastic. And when I hear about your job, I'm like, holy cow, that is awesome. I honestly think you're maybe being a little bit humble about it. So to put it into perspective. 
share more about like where you go on these trips, maybe just a little bit more specific details so that our listeners can better understand what you've got going on. Yeah. So in order to get to where we were going, so I had a, when I was working for Gettysburg College, I had a a cohort of students uh, who I would train and in turn, you know, prepare them to guide these, these programs. And so what started off here regionally in Gettysburg, when we talk about vision, I wasn't certainly satisfied with that. It wasn't satisfied when we got to Colorado to do our mountaineering. It eventually got to Alaska. It got up into the Pacific Northwest, worked our way down into Peru, transferred over into Europe, into Africa. And so it was just this whole notion of where can you uh, make change happen? And can you inspire people to go there with you, right? And wherever there is, it wasn't necessarily about the place. It was about what you're going to be returning with from that place. What was that challenge? What was the what was the opportunity? And certainly people have heard, a lot of people have heard the story about, you know, my biggest program was designing a six-week sea kayaking expedition that we started in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, and we paddled across the Baltic Sea to Helsinki, Finland. So large scale at many levels, a lot of, of work in the personal space in order to certainly achieve professional outcomes. And so, but it's tough. It was a tough life, you know, to say the least, uh, you know, being being away from family, you know, constantly always worried, you know, because if I'm guiding a trip in Africa and then I have a program in Tuscany, Italy, and then there's another one in Vancouver, Washington, and there's another, you know, eventually that kind of wears on you, you know, when you run a small operation. And so, you know, when I had this opportunity to kind of leave that, but yet still hold on to small tenants of it, it seemed to be the right time, especially, you know, wanting to be at home and put my attention and focus on my kids growing up. That sounds like a perfect fit and just pivot in life a little bit. You still can, you know, have this adventurous side and you get to do that day in and day out, but you're closer to family. For example, our trip was in South Dakota, so it was a flight away from you, but still domestic. But it is just fascinating to hear about all of your world travels. I know a lot of young professionals are inspired to travel more. And so I just know that would be reminisced to miss out to hear about all of those experiences that you've gone on and just really cool how you use you mentioned at one in one conversation that you use the milder, the wilderness as a medium where you use sure. you know these physical activities to push your boundaries in one way and we'll get that to that a little bit more but I just love that everything you do has a purpose the place has a purpose the content has a purpose I want to share a quote from a Roots teammate that went on this trip last September. She said, physical, intellectual, and emotional boundaries are difficult to cross, but Roots was able to create a safe environment for that to happen. The personal and professional growth, as well as the genuine connections that were made with teammates from across the association, is something I will cherish for a long, long time. So that was a really powerful statement from her, and that was one perspective of the outcome of this trip, but let's talk about how we got there. So I mentioned that we hosted this trip in the Black Hills, great state of South Dakota. Uh, Can you speak as to why we chose that location? As they say in real estate, right? Location, location, location. It provided everything we needed in a contained space, meaning we had the lodging, you had the trails, we didn't have to transfer. If there's a, a space in any type of program I run, it's any transition that happens is where things can potentially go south, right? 
So getting people in cars, there's an element of risk movement there's an element of risk right and so if we can mitigate that by being in a location like the black hills at the at the lodge once we're there we're there and so that was the that was the ideal location for this experience and also the ruggedness of of its location it had a lot of opportunity to to kind of create something that to the end if you will what Alyssa uh, wrote is exactly what we sort of hope for and we work backwards from there so can we get to her moment in time and her place? In order to make that happen, we have to begin with the right location. Absolutely. And we had talked about a couple ideas, but really just naturally fell to the Black Hills, especially looking at the territory we have within our LSA. What would be, where's an area we can go that would provide some adventure, right? right. And did you know... Fun fact here that Black Elk Peak is the highest point between the Rockies and Europe. So that's the peak that we hiked to. We were in more of the central southern Black Hills, Lake Sylvan to be exact. And and luckily the lodge is right at the base of the trailhead. So it was the perfect location to just have everything right there for what was a, a day and a half experience. So right when we got to the Black Hills, we started day one. I'm just going to rattle off a couple things we did day one. So we started with a get to know you exercise. Then we practiced our persuasion skills with some, with a brain teaser. Then we learned how to read a topography map, planned our hiking route, packed all of our gear and ate a meal together. So can you talk, you know, taking each individual activity, it's like, okay, great. That's part of a normal workshop, but tell us about what all of this has to do with development and the purpose of all of these activities. Sure. So this was called a 24-hour experience because once we met, the clock started and that we were going to be in motion, right, for the next 24 hours. And so I want to put that in context to the listener. So we're meeting early Good afternoon. Idea. And in order to recognize that the endpoint isn't the summit, even though we want to be there at a certain time, the endpoint is getting back to the lodge. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the angle. I always say to folks just return with the same number you left with they don't have to be the same people just the same number right you know <laughs> but uh, you just hope they're the same people you do yeah <laughs> but that being said right so so that's the end point is to actually get everybody back home to to the location so so that's that's an element there but you know a lot of the work was really like okay so if we're going to be hiking how far what are those questions that people have what are the questions that people have every day in our own work environment and can we create a road map if you will or a trail map if you will that people then can sort of better understand the why behind the what how far how long what's expected of me how much food do i need how much do i need to drink what is it that i really need so i'm not overloaded with too much but then i'm not underprepared as well so it's very intentional to say how many miles are we going? Here's the topo map. We can teach you how to do what's known as a time control plan. So if we have so many feet of elevation gain, what is the map that would say that the average person should be able to move at this rate speed? So we know working backwards how we should travel as a group. So that was it. That was part of that. That was the end game of that first afternoon. The beginning of that first afternoon certainly is to connect, build some sort of level of camaraderie. I would say trust, but it's hard to build trust in a couple of, of hours. I think you sort of, you know, when, we're, when, we, when we get back home, that's when we feel like we've accomplished the trust element, right? You know, and show our competence and our confidence in the people that we're working with. 
but that that first part is just really foundational and we really want people to realize that okay what was the first goal for that for the trip was to leave on time because where we wanted to be was at the summit of of the black hills of the um, black elk peak but we didn't want to get there at sunrise remember we wanted to be there at civil dawn and people mm-hmm. ask what's civil dawn i said that's the time just before the sun even begins to crest, right? I believe it's at six degrees below the horizon line that you start to see the shadowing outline of the mountains. To me, that's the moment that we want to be at, right? Because here we've been walking in the dark since 2 a.m. And it was like in late morning around 5 a.m., right? Then the sun starts to creep and you could start to see shadow lines. And then the smile you have on your face right now is the smile that I could sit back and just watch, you know, at that moment when people are sitting on the summit watching the sunrise. And you made a good point. Do you want to say again what time we left in the morning? Yes. So we left at two. (laughs) (laughs) When we first heard two o'clock when we were planning this, you know, just as a rough estimate, we're like wide eyed. Seriously, you want us Mm -hmm. to get up at 2 a.m. and start hiking in the pitch dark? And um, I think that's maybe just even our reaction is one of the most memorable parts to the trip because it's this element of surprise. And then to see that like goal that seems very difficult to accomplish like come to fruition and and like you said you saw the look on our faces when we were up there by civil dawn it was a true blessing to be able to see that not something that you know you're going to get to experience all the time and so it was definitely worth the difficulty but yeah back to preparing for day one everything we did really tied into that moment and then carried through the rest of the trip so we were joking after you know, we've had these ac- accountability groups following up the trip and, and something that was asked was, well, you know, what have you used since that trip in your daily life or in work? And I've actually been using topography maps to look at farmland that's for sale. And so you were the first person to teach me how to use those. So thank you, John. Uh, I never would have guessed that I would have been using those for my job, but it's it's been valuable. And so that's just one example. But then overall, just being prepared for for life, you know, even just day to day, you don't have to be preparing for a hike, but preparing for every day, even if it's a normal day, can really set you up, up for success in the long run. Yeah, I think in this particular case, when we look at the metaphor of the hike itself, right, and leaving it dark, how often are do we feel like we're walking in the dark, right? Like how often do we feel it's just one foot in front of the other without really knowing where we're headed? And I think that's certainly the essence of the work for this, right? So we're preparing all afternoon. We remember we had dinner. I gave you four hours to sleep, you know, and then we, we met. <laughs> but oftentimes I'll say we need to have a plan from which to deviate, right? Or you can't be lost without a map. And are we giving people roadmaps? Are we giving them trail maps in order to recognize that, yeah, we're all going to be in the dark here for a little while. However, at some point in time, there's going to be a little bit of light, And that is what's fascinating about the work, right? Is that are we translating it to that level with the people that we kind of work with and interact with, whether it's personally or professionally? And that's that's the metaphor. Yes. And I'm shaking my head. Yes, as you're saying that. And I hope the listeners are too, because we've just gone through, you know, some teammates have gone through position to serve. Now our retail teammates have gone through a transition we call thrive. And honestly, sometimes it feels like we're just walking step by step day by day in the dark right now. And I know, and I have faith that we're going to see that sunrise and we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel and that it will 
all work out in the end, but sometimes it's hard to just trust the process and trust that you are making progress even when you can't see that it's been done. Right. There was a pivotal moment on the trail when I was with a, a few folks towards the end, just before we hit the summit. And you could tell like some folks were really in a moment of challenge, right? We call it type two fun, right? Type two fun is that fun where you're constantly talking to yourself about why am I doing this? What's this really about? You know, I could be somewhere else, not here. And then I pulled out the map and I said, remember the map. Let's take a look at where we started and look where we are now. We are only a couple hundred meters away. And it was at that moment, you just sort of saw this relief, like, oh my gosh, like you've done all the hard work, like it's done. Now it's just, let's go, let's get up there, right? And so if we're able to have good mentors and good coaches and people that stop every once in a while when we see that moment of frustration and people's eyes, don't just say, let's get through it. Let's stop, give us some perspective and then send them on their way again. So I think that's, that to me is the, is the message of this type of work is that, you know, you're there, you're not going to get abandoned, right? We're, we're in it together. And we're going to be walking. And so, yeah, maybe I have a little bit more knowledge or more skill, but the idea is that we're, we're in this, right? So I think that's absolutely. And you led the group so well. I mean, you led from the rear, you were the last person to the summit intentionally. It was just fantastic to see that style of leadership come through. I will admit four (laughs) of us did get lost. We missed the last turn. You did get lost. You did not get lost. You knew where you were. (laughs) We knew where we were. Right. Sort of. We mm-hmm. just missed our turn. Right. Um, but it's funny because I think back to that and there wasn't a moment where I doubted we wouldn't be able to figure it out. One, because I fully trusted the group of people that I was with. And two, because we had done that preparation. And so when we started going down instead of climbing the summit, we're like, something's wrong here. We're That's right. We're off. And so it just speaks to again to that preparedness that so often can be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to give your listeners sort of a visual, that part of this work on the topo map was actually to create a profile. And so you hit it right on the head. There was never a down point after a certain height. And so the fact that you all started going down triggered the moment in your head to say, wait a second, we're off trail. Mm-hmm. Well, you're on trail. You're just not on the right one. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's your story, right? You turned around, you figured it out, and then you came back. And so like, how often does that happen? How often do we allow that to happen in our work, right? Like just give people a little bit of chance to kind of stop, test it and go, yeah, this doesn't feel right. And then pull them mm-hmm. back in and let them kind of redirect. So, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, so we've talked quite a bit about the hike. I would say that was definitely a physically challenging part of the adventure, but then also mentally because, you, you know, you're hiking in the dark, can't see far, very far ahead of you. You were also hiking for a couple hours and really have that time in your own head with your own thoughts. We're a chatty group. Uh, luckily, you reminded us just enjoy some peace this morning and create your own thoughts. And I think that's powerful too. Don't want to forget to mention that it's also a mental challenge to just really tell yourself that you can do it. You can make it while it's physically challenging. It's also mentally challenging. Let's jump to on the way down from the hike. So we hiked up to summit. We saw the sunrise. We were there for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. Then we started hiking back down and we found an area in the trail that was a little bit wider, gave us room to spread out. You graciously carry coffee for us, which was an awesome surprise. So John whipped out his coffee maker, we had breakfast, but then we had intentional time to ourselves 
believe it was an hour we took to start a book called This I Believe. And this book is full of what I would call parables of folks who have belief statements. And it's fun because some of them are very true to home. I would say all of them are relatable, um, but some of them are funnier than, than others. And so like one that, you know, just reading through the contents, this I believe one person wrote, you should be cool to the pizza dude. This I believe in giving, I connect with others. This I believe in a journey towards acceptance and love. And this I believe in happy talk. So just to give you an idea, if you're looking for a book, this I believe is an excellent one, um, short read. But basically we got an hour to read a few passages and then reflect and write on our own. A few that came from the Roots group were, I believe if you're invited, go. I believe that hard work can accomplish anything. I believe that nature is healing. I believe you should send the condolence message. I believe that it will buff. And I believe that I am capable. So as I'm reading through those, you might have some ideas in your head. You might be off base on what what those mean to each person. And I think it can be different for everyone. You have four cornerstones, right? So you have your physical, you have your mental, you have your emotional, and you have your intellectual, right? And so you have those four cornerstones that come together in order to create the whole person, right? And so that's the essence of the 24-hour experience is to bring all those components together. This episode's podcast ponder question is. I'd love to hear what your belief statement is and then why you chose this book as a guide. The belief statements uh, in the past that I have addressed, the one is second chances. I believe in second chances. Also believe in doing it right the first time. And so it's, it's designed to provoke thought and to put words to sometimes our actions and have us really evaluate who we are in terms of where we are and those who are surrounding and own it. You know, I think sometimes we, it's really difficult to own what we truly believe and also really recognize the depth in which we need to go in order to, to make that move from just a intellectual exercise to a behavior and a behavior of influence. It's that element that draws the, the experience together. I truly feel that you inspired every teammate on this trip to get outside of our comfort zones in at least one of those areas. And it was just fun to see the change in people through this process, that physical, mental, uh, intellectual, and emotional pillars um, are truly what we challenged ourselves in. And it just created vulnerability in people. And and when you feel that, you could see, see the change almost immediately. And for me, that's um, I would say the hardest part for me was actually preparing for the trip and feeling incompetent about the preparation because I'm kind of just a, I'm a personality where, you know, it'll, I've kind of go with the flow, sometimes can wing it. And so that just put it into perspective for me and where I really felt the most challenged. I want to dig a little bit deeper into your personal philosophy, John, around success. We know that it doesn't just happen in one day and it's this accumulation of previous trials and triumphs. So what were a few key moments in your life that brought you to where you are today? I, I will say, Kaylee, it's a loaded question, <laughs> is that there's there's a couple of layers into that answer that in order to get a better sense of the purpose and the why behind what we've just talked about, 
really gets a sense to the foundation as to how I got into the industry that I'm in right now. So uh, in college, it was my sophomore year in college, I ended up taking a course in adventure-based counseling. And so I had no idea it was an elective. And it was an opportunity to, when I was not an outdoor person, I grew up in Washington, DC. My dad worked for the government. I played soccer. Like that was, yeah, that was me. And uh, so I ended up taking this course, this five day wilderness intensive called ABC, Adventure Based Counseling. And it just rocked my world. It was just took me onto a whole new path of, you know, I'll say self discovery and a sense of, Motions or feelings or, or ideas in my head, which I'd never really thought about and I had to talk about in front of people through these challenging experiences. So take your, take this 24 hour experience and just multiply it by five days. Right. And so talk about just this, this really interesting um, element. And, and so I decided at that point, I said, this, this might be an area of interest, an area of career that I could get into because I just saw how it really moved people. Now we're talking about the late eighties here. Okay. So if that gives you context is that this is new and an evolving field um, of its time. And so I ended up uh, kind of dabbling around in this, in this area. And then in, it was my senior year in, in, high, in college, actually. It was uh, spring break, and I was back home. And while I was there, I ran into an old neighbor of mine, and she approached me about a situation that had evolved with her husband, who uh, had been accused of uh, sexual assault of some kids actually one particular kid and so and she was she was really distraught about this particular situation because she wasn't sure you know who to believe and this gentleman just so we're put in perspective uh back in the 80s was a white house appointee okay so someone of, of high caliber and, and power and influence within within washington so in this conversation as we were chatting about it you know she was very distraught as i mentioned and so she said i'm just not sure which way to go and so if we if we think about the phrase I used earlier, do it right the first time, that was me sitting there wondering, it's either now or never. And I say that because it was a moment in time when I said, all right, if I speak up, then I know what's coming. So if we go back to the Black Hills, you go back to all these things we talked about, and you think about the darkness that's going to come before the light, this is what's coming. So I said, well, I have to say I have to side with the kid. And she says, why is that? I said, well, the same thing happened to me and by him and so within this is my senior year ready to graduate please show up at my door then i spent the next five years in court both in virginia and colorado addressing these particular issues okay so addressing them from a very legally legal standpoint and what is important to realize that in parallel as i'm also going through this these trials in these two particular states I'm also in grad school doing the research around the impact of sexual assault, especially on men. And what are the long-term implications of that? More specifically, though, addressing it at its root times of not just when you're 12, but more specifically when you're in your 20s. But what are the what are the long-term outcomes or impacts that this can have when you're in your 40s, your 50s, et cetera, if it's not necessarily managed? And I created a therapeutic framework in order to address this using the ABC model. So the tenets of those, as you can start to now probably link to, is about this whole understanding of this alignment of recognizing that there are these challenges in our lives. There are these mental elements that we have to get through, but we can only do it if we address it, address it right the first time. And so as the years have gone on, and I did the research and I spoke about this, I've given presentations, this is not new. 
Okay, so for our listeners, this is something that I'm, I'm extremely comfortable of, of talking about. And I've coached a lot of men in the space of how to move. I'm not a therapist. Okay, even though my background's in counseling and human development, my goal is to get the awareness level high enough to recognize that you're the common variable in all your dysfunctional relationships at times. And you need to go ahead and get this taken care of now, right? And so whether that's personally, how that impacts you professionally. Uh, so as the years unfolded and, and I'm doing the work and I feel pretty good about it, uh, it wasn't until my daughter was born where it really took over me and I didn't realize it. And it hit me uh, blindsided that I will say that it was hard to breathe. It was hard to move. It was hard to get from one day to the next. And why that's important is because the moment I recognized it, you're going to talk about type two fun, right? The moment I recognized that this was all consuming, I said something to my wife. I said, I got to take care of this now. Okay. This just crept up on me over the course of time. And it happens to us all the time. And that's part of the work is recognizing where is this, where are the implications? And so here I'm helping others in the space, recognizing what I wasn't seeing is when it was happening to me. We are the whole person. And that's why I say like with the Roots program, right? It's all of these facets that we have to address collectively. We can't isolate one and expect the other one not to be compromised. We have to look at this as the holistic person. So I ended up finding a woman in town. Her name was Diana. I eventually called her my voodoo doctor and spent two and a half years. And when I say two and a half years, I walked in, gave her this binder of legal material and said, this is my life. And we're going to do it right the first time. And by gosh, I need a second chance. And by gosh, we are going to go hat on backwards. And I know as tough as the trial was that this was going to be worse. So we just went and I just did it. And I did the hard work and I wasn't going to stop. And I told her, I said, I don't want medication. I want to do this. And as hard as it's going to sound, I want to feel this. Just like we're about to hit the summit. You got to feel it in order to achieve it. Mm -hmm. So the metaphor there is I keep going back to all of this is that you don't have to go through this whole experience in order to appreciate the struggles and the trials and tribulations that people are facing day in, day out. What we got to realize, though, is that when we can clear the road for them a little bit, give them some grace, give them opportunity, show them a roadmap that what's possible. As one of my sayings is, uh, simply change your environment or you change your circumstances. I couldn't change my environment because that was around me, but I could change my circumstances. And that was to take control of this, which I didn't realize that I didn't have control. All said, right, as we think about ourselves in these roles of leadership, we think about these roles of influence. We think about the relationships that we carry in these moments in the Black Hills, in the darkness with a headlamp. It's our job, my philosophy, our job to help keep clearing the path for people to succeed. And if you can't do that, get out of your own way, right? So I think that's kind of the message. And what's important to recognize, you know, and here's your stat that I was, you know, asking about, you know, when I was talking about numbers is that if you're in an organization of 1900 people, right now, if every listener was on this, one out of six men have experienced what I experienced, one out of six right? And then one out of four women. 
So we're talking about just in the low, like 100 something employees know exactly what I'm saying. And so this isn't unusual. So I think that's where I sit when I talk about this in terms of its impact in my story in order then to continue to create purpose and opportunity for others. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, we spent that time together in the Black Hills and that's not something I knew until this moment. And so it's really special to hear you talk about that. And it really just, yeah, creates a deeper why. And we've talked at Farm Credit about having your why statement and being in tune with why you do what you do. But sometimes until you have a circumstance like what you went through, it doesn't fully click into place. And I think it's so special that you help people grow in these areas and identify growth opportunities, growth points. Um, you help people identify those and then push them outside of their comfort zones and really just push them to, like you said, feel it. You don't want to just go through the motions. You don't want to just sweep it under the rug. You don't want to live and carry this weight on your shoulders for years to come. You wanted to feel it and deal with it and then turn around and help other people. And I think almost everyone would say that they care a lot about helping other people and you are truly, truly doing that. So thank you. And it just makes me grateful that Scott connected us in the first place again, because there's just so much more to the story than, than what's on the surface. And I think that's true for everybody, right? And I think that's the time is that, that we do. And I appreciate your kind words without a doubt. And, uh, you know, but I do think though, that's why I go back to saying, you know, giving people that chance that second you know, or checking in and making sure that we're not all, we're not all on the same timetable, right? And we're not all kind of going down the same, same pathway, even though we are, there's still other elements. And so I do appreciate you pointing that out. Well, and I want to add too that one of our teammates, her belief statement was, I believe that nature is healing mm -hmm. and her background was also mental health. Um, and so it just speaks to that adventure-based counseling Right. The ABC that you were taught back in the 80s still rings true today. And so I would encourage any teammate who's listening to use nature as a medium. Give it a try. I know we're going into the winter months in the Midwest. It's not fun to be outside, but give it a try. And as always, if you need people to talk to their resources, John himself, apply to go on this trip next year. I know you won't regret it. I want to transition to a couple fun questions. So okay. this is a favorite segment of the listeners. It's our rapid fire section. So just in a couple words, I mean, you can explain a little bit, but pretty short and sweet answers um, to some of these questions. The first one I have for you is if you could take one item hiking besides the clothes on your back and your shoes, what would it be? Backcountry oven. A backcountry oven? Yeah. You must love to cook because it was very evident. You brought the coffee, you brought the food, <laughs> all of that was prepared for us. It, it, it just speaks to you. I mean, great food. Why not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So when you can bake coffee cakes and, and the like pizzas in the, in this little back country oven, and you're sitting there just watching the world go by and you smell that, like it doesn't get any better. So. Get the cliff bars. You want the, the meal. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Second question. What was your first job and your worst job? Uh, first job, I uh, was working for Project Adventure, which is the company who wrote the literature on adventure-based counseling. So, well, that's the first job out of grads at a, at a mm -hmm. school. 
like my first job was actually working at a deli, which was probably also my worst job nice. when, I, when I was 16. <laughs> but professionally, yeah, I was working with Project Adventure. What area do you feel that you personally have the most room for growth? I'm lucky in the sense uh, with the Gettysburg program to spend so much time learning about other people's industries. Like, I think that's what's fascinating to me these days. It's just really like, just, there's so many cool industries out there and finding out people's purpose as to what took them, you know, down engineering route or or the R&D route or the financial route, you know? And so that's, that to me is always kind of fascinating. What is your favorite piece of content that relates to your job? book, podcast, anything else? I would say the book that actually launched me into a lot of my work was a book called Flow by Mihel Csikszentmihalyi, who's a behavioral psychologist, a Hungarian behavioral psychologist, but it's all on this notion of flow and challenge and skill. How do you get this alignment between these two worlds in order to find the, find those flow moments? Where is your favorite place that you've ever hosted and guided a trip? See, that one's really hard because every place has its own remarkable elements to it. And with that said, I am, I always lean towards the uh, Eastern European countries. Most room for adventure, best climate. Is there something just, that sticks out? Just, just the history. I think mm-hmm. just the history of, of, of those, of those regions right now. Uh, but if we're just talking about, about mountains, well, I mean, you can't go wrong going to Peru. So, yeah, but just culturally, I just love, I love this, the narrative of, yeah, Eastern European. Speaking of travel, do you speak any other languages? I I don't. I did study German and a little bit of Russian, but that's, that's long gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you had to describe your day-to-day job responsibilities in one word, what would it be? Different. Absolutely. I don't know anyone <laughs> else who does your job. <laughs> Poor kids. They, they don't even know how to answer that question. Yeah. What does your dad do? My dad, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. What is your most memorable moment from building roots? Building it or participating it? Participating. Sitting there at Civil Dawn, mm-hmm. watching the sun come up and everybody just milling around and taking the moment to pause. And, and I think the second was on our solo when, when you all were out and about for your hour and a half and then watching everybody come back going, you know, I needed that time. I was a little reluctant to give myself an hour and a half, but when I came back, I, I really appreciate that time. So I think those were the two moments was just watching expression. Both great examples. And a point I would make there is a lot of teammates said that they don't just take time to slow down, sit with their own thoughts, come up with a belief statement, really do some internal reflection. They have kids they're chasing, they're busy at work, you know, the mornings are busy, the nights are busy. And so life just gets, for lack of a better word, busy. And so it is just so important that you take time for yourself to do that reflection. And it doesn't have to be going to the Black Hills. It doesn't have to be a trip to do that. It's something that you can incorporate in your everyday life. Next, I want to address the fact that everyone listening to this podcast may not be able to travel with Roots or attend one of your workshops or attend Building Roots next year. So regardless of like any outside circumstances, there are lessons here that I don't want teammates to miss. So if you're multitasking, pause what you're doing for a second. I'm guilty of multitasking when I listen to podcasts. So 
this is a call out for myself. John, how can we bring this idea of experiential learning, growth points, purpose into our focus each and every day? That's a good question. I think it's, as, as my father would say, don't just sit there, do something, right? Like at one level, it's, it's opening up the door and just saying, today's the day, right? Today's the day we're going to do it right. I'm just going to start. And it doesn't take much. There's a lot of avenues for personal and professional growth. And looking at, am I doing it in sort of these four tenets? Am I doing a little bit of physical? Does that little bit of physical then help out my mental space as I'm walking? Make me think a little differently. When I get back, I feel better about myself. You know, I'm just glad I got out the door, even though it's cold, you know, and I read up a little bit. And each time you kind of go through that cycle and that circuit, one continuously builds on the other, you know? And so just, it's, it's small steps, just, you know, going back to our metaphor, right? It's one step in front of the other, but we got to at least take that step. And it doesn't have to be grand. It just has to be anything better than nothing. Absolutely. One step at a time, you just need to start. And we also talked about a little bit about like internal motivations and team engagement and really how that it does truly come down to an individual level. But our goal is to have this culture here at Farm Credit where each and every teammate is engaged so talk about how we can rise to that level to really have, I mean, we are known for having an excellent culture here, but how do we sustain that and keep that engagement level high? Culture is based on relationships. And in order to build relationships, we have to build time in to connect and not just sort of superficially connect, right? Just transactionally, but small steps are sort of transformational opportunities. And I think what I loved about, you know, at least our experience on Roots, right? Like folks who didn't really know each other were hiking together, right? There's no reason why if I worked in the office, I need to have a conference, you know, call with you. Why is it that we just can't go out and just do a walk and talk versus always sitting in the, you know, in the office space? But can we do things just a little bit differently? Say, let's just get out of this normative behavior. Let's connect a little bit differently, not necessarily over lunch and not over this, but let's just take our coffee and go kind of use this opportunity to discuss ideas. And we may not come up with a solution, but every opportunity to be intentional about the purpose, then we'll build on the next. Absolutely. And that's at work. And we talk some too about how it's just as important at home that you're filling your cup there. And finding other avenues outside of work, maybe if you, you know, are lacking in, say, creativity at work, you're finding a creative outlet in your activity at home. Or maybe you feel like, you know, I'm in this position right now, but it's not a titled leadership position. And I really want to push myself in these areas. And I'm looking for an avenue to do that. Well, maybe you're joining a board. Maybe you are learning community building skills personal skills. There's so many things we can do outside. So just talk a little bit about your experience and, and recommendations in that area. Yeah, you bring up a great point there that we had discussed at, at a prior conversation is that, you know, when I was working for Gettysburg, I was looking to develop myself very differently than I could achieve at the institutional level uh, based on my role uh, within the organization. And so I just looked outward and we had the opportunity to join our school board. And then on top of it, what I was really interested is in the financial structure. And so by 
participating in the school board, I got to be, you know, be involved with the, uh, as the sort of vice president of finance. And then also now I'm still, uh, years later, the lead negotiator for the district itself when it comes to all personnel contracts. And I think that's, you know, and so when I was working for Gettysburg, that fit a need and a desire I got somewhere else where I didn't feel like I had to put all my eggs into the one basket, right, within the institution and then limit myself because the institution, it wasn't that they wouldn't have been interested, it's just there wasn't space at times, right? So as we think about ourselves, where is it, where else can we look to round ourselves out, whether, you know, to your point, is it in boards, is it coaching, is are there other ways to connect? which are going to be vitally important. And then you learn those skills, okay? Just sort of we've talked about, right? You're bringing all that knowledge, skill, the, you know, the emotional intelligence, the leadership, whatever it is, you're bringing that back into your organization and sharing those lessons learned. And so I've spent quite a bit of time with folks saying, okay, if you're at your ceiling, now let's go lateral. And once you go lateral and get outside those walls, where else can you expand and then continue to, to scaffold? And now you're actually beginning, you're giving value to not just one organization, but maybe up to three organizations. So certainly get out and about and take a look around as to see where else you can find purpose. Thanks so much for sharing your perspective there. I'll give you the mic for a few last words for our listeners. Well, first off, I want to say thank you very much for, for inviting me to be a part of this. And it was a fun conversation. And I exit, you know, and I recognize that there's sort of a, a detail in there that's a little heavy though I think that's important, is that we still, regardless of where we are, need to always kind of keep putting a foot forward and recognize that there's enough people, there are enough resources always around us to achieve great things, even though it may seem murky, but murky and light actually hit each other sort of at the horizon level. And so that's sort of what my aim is always is that what does it take to get us out of one and start to transition into the next so one step at a time so thank you so much thank you john for being here and just after hearing more about your background and work experience i feel fortunate that we had the opportunity to learn from you through building roots and that future young professionals at farm credit will have the same opportunity like i mentioned we're planning this for september of 2024 we will be accepting 20 teammates So three of them will be Roots members. That means 17 positions will be open for any young professionals across the association. So we'll have more details to come this spring and this summer, but those will actually be leader nominated. So start, you know, if this is something, if you're listening to this and you feel inspired, talk to your leader, make sure that they know that you're interested. There's motto I live by, and that's that you need to share your goals. That's how I'm in the seat I'm in in today because I've shared my goals. And so I would encourage everyone to do the same if you're interested. Like I said, John, thank you so much for joining us this month. You are inspirational to people to find their purpose. And it was just been, it's been so fun to learn more about you and your travel and FCCS and, and all of the things that you've accomplished. Before we wrap up, I have an exciting announcement. The Roots Podcast is teaming up with all ERGs. Patriot Crew, Catalyst, and Beacon. We want to bring you relatable content to all teammates across the association and meet you where you're at. So each ERG will have two to three months throughout the year. We'll continue to bring you content on the second Monday of every single month. So be on the lookout for that. If you already have subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, you'll continue to get the content, Um, but we will be rebranding. So more announcements to come with a brand new name and brand new logo. Look forward to seeing you all again in February. Happy New Year and have a great day.
Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.